good evening, my nighttime friends. Welcome to Nocturnal Distractions. I'm here with April, and I'm going to actually be retelling or telling a true crime story because I'm kind of a true crime addict, and I felt like doing that because this is a really interesting one. And April's never heard it, I don't think. So we're gonna see. We're gonna find out. And it has a good ending. Nobody dies. Yay! And nobody gets, like, mauled or, like, brutally attacked. Huh. I mean, yeah. There's trauma, but it's not bad. Well, you'll, you can judge. <laughs> okay, so, like I said, I had never heard about this story before, and I have watched and listened to a lot of true crime on YouTube, podcasts, etc. And... Up until about a month and a half ago, I had never heard of this. And I can't believe I've never heard of this because it's insane. So I'm going to give a shout out right now to Inhuman Podcast and then Morbid for adding more information onto this. So those are both awesome podcasts you guys should check out. Anyway, this happened, first of all, in Chowchilla, California. Chowchilla? Chowchilla. I'm not even Chowchilla. Okay. <laughs> see, so, so see, you probably haven't heard of it then. Chattanooga, California, on July fifteenth, nineteen seventy-six. Oh, nice! This is an old, old one. It's a vintage, vintage one, yes. And it's about a bus, a school bus of children, and they all get kidnapped along with their bus driver. Have you ever heard of this? It's like the biggest mass abduction in U.S. history. Twenty-seven people, twenty-six kids, and one adult. They get snatched. Wow. Why do I feel like I've heard of that before, but not that, just in a different way when I was... Okay, go on. I okay. don't know. So, know, it, this happened in Chowchilla, California, on July 15th, 1976. And I just wanted to do a side note about California in the 70s and 80s being absolutely insane the way it is. I looked it up, and there were so many serial killers at that time that something like this really doesn't surprise me. And it probably got lost because there were people actually dying. It was the 70s. Everybody was on drugs and, like, experimenting and, and Yo, killing there, each other. Uh, yeah. Like, there was a whole <laughs> lot of killing. Ca California's crazy. You guys are nuts up there because it's just, it's insane. Um, anyway. It was the day before, so July 15th, it was the day before the final day of summer school. And Ed, who is the bus driver of the story, was going to pick up the Dairyland Elementary School children that ranged from the ages of 5 to 14 from an outing at the local pool, and then he was driving them all home because it was the end of the day. And a note on Ed, he was loved by all the children, and he felt the same way towards them. So, like, he was their favorite bus driver in the entire world, and he felt the same. Is this, like, a small town, like... It's fairly small. Like, I don't, on the outskirts? Of... I don't know what the population was back in 1976, but today when I looked it up, it was, like, 18,000. Okay, so yeah. So fairly, fairly small um, people. But these kids, like, mind you, these kids, they loved this summer school. I don't think it was like summer school nowadays. Like, it was more like a summer camp. And they liked it so much that that day, one of the boys had actually created a petition that they all signed to extend it for two more weeks. <gasps> oh, my God. So they got, like, the, they got Ed, the bus driver, to sign it, and the teachers to sign it, and they all signed it. Aww. So, like, they absolutely loved it, which is obviously not, like, any kind of summer school that I can imagine. <laughs> Do you ever remember that movie, Now and Then? 
Yes. This is so setting this up for that. I don't know why. I just see this cute little community with like little, what are those things, cul-de-sacs and everybody's just yeah. like, okay, go on. Probably. Probably. <laughs> setting the scene. So anyway, there was 26 of these students and then one bus driver. So they were driving down a backcountry road when they came across a white windowless van that had parked across the road, which was right there, a red flag. If you see a white windowless van, you just... Just stay away from that. The bus had to maneuver around it to get by, and as they went by, Ed, being the nice person that he is, stopped and asked if they needed any help because they had the hood of their car up. So they had car problems. Oh, shit. Side note there, like everyone else says, don't offer help. <laughs> you see a car stop, they'll, they'll figure it out themselves. Just just don't. Just keep going. These are the stories why we don't yes. watch the vans and ask for help. Well, especially if it's a white creeper van with no windows open. Yeah. Just stay away from those. But when he offered that help, three men with pantyhose over their heads jumped onto the bus with sawed-off shotguns pointed at Ed and the kids. Keep in mind, this is one bus driver and 26 kids aged 14 to age 5. So little kids, elementary school kids. Right. So I'm not even going to call them men through most of this because like, I don't even consider them men. So I'm going to call them douche canoes. Douche canoes, there we go. So these three douche canoes jump onto a school bus with children and their bus driver and point shotguns, sawed-off shotguns at them. Is one of the family members rich? Ah! <laughs> so who were these douche canoes? They were 24-year-old Fred Woods, 24-year-old James Schoenfeld, and his younger brother, 22-year-old Richard Schoenfeld. Wondering why? I'll get to it. So they demanded Ed go to the back of the bus, and they screamed at the kids to shut up and follow orders. The kids are freaking out because, duh, they're all 14 years old and younger. And Ed was just trying to calm them down and keep, kept telling the kids just to be quiet, sit down, do what they say. And he was speaking in a harsh tone, like a parent voice that they had never heard from him before. But he was really just trying to, like, get them to sit down or shit's gonna get crazy. But like he can't say that. Like yeah. assertive slash freak the fuck out. Yeah, but he was trying not to freak them out, so he was just trying to be stern, but they're not used to him being stern because it's Ed. They love Ed. It's not who he's used to, but they kind of listen to him. Right. <laughs> so while this whole thing is happening, the youngest on the bus was a little girl who is five years old, and she sees these douche canoes. And as a five-year-old, she didn't really understand, obviously, what was going on. And when she looked at them... And the way they had the pantyhose on their head, like the legs hung down like ears. Oh. So she looked up at one of these guys and she asked if they were the Easter Bunny. Oh no. So while these monsters pointed a shotgun at her, she asked if they were the Easter Bunny. Right. That probably ruined the Easter Bunny and Easter for her for the rest of her life. Oh, I right. guarantee it. But now I... I and that, that's just show, like, this is the kind of children that are on this bus. Yes. Like, innocent. And these douche canoes are, I can't believe, I would have, like, say I decided I'm going to go onto a bus and fucking shotgun some kids up, right? If somebody were to say, oh, are you the Easter Bunny? Like, I would just turn around and fucking leave. I know. Like, just go. And they're in their 20s. Like, they're, they're 24 years old. Like, I can't, it's ridiculous. And they still stayed on the bus. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, one of the men was pointing the shotgun at the children and Ed, while one of the others drove a bus, and the last one drove the white van. That was not broke down at all. 
that was just a ruse. And they went straight through a bamboo field, which, side note there, I did not know they had bamboo fields in California. They had everything in California. Yeah, but apparently, bamboo fields? Right. They had pandas, too? <laughs> they hide pandas from us? Like, I don't understand. You know, pandas are really mean assholes. I'm not, but, yeah, but they're cute. They are. I don't want to pet one. No. But they're cute. Or yeah. is it koalas eat bamboo? Pandas eat bamboo? Pa- they, okay. Yeah. I just feel like if you have bamboo, you should have pandas. Pollens are assholes too, but I don't know. Marsupials are kind of all assholes. They can fake being pregnant so that they can get special treatment at the zoo. That's not surprising. Right. They're smart. Okay. Sorry. So anyway, they went through this bamboo field and after about a mile, they finally stopped and there was another van waiting for them. So there's two vans now. And these shitheads driving the van backed the butt sorry, driving the bus, backed the bus, backed the bus up to one of the vans and forced half of the kids in there and the other half of the kids with Ed into the white van. So you've got half the kids in one van and half the kids with Ed, the bus driver, in the other van. And they made the kids jump from the bus to the vans so they wouldn't leave any footprints in the dirt. Oh, look at how smart they are. Never mind the fact there's tire tracks, but... Right. The vans, oh and the vans on the inside were outfitted with wood paneling because that, uh, it's the seventies. Whatever, right. maybe everything was wood paneling. I, I don't know what the purpose of that was, but and so it had wood paneling and blacked out windows. So once the door was closed, it was pitch black inside these vans. Aww. So you had these little kids in there, and Ed, I love it. And it was pitch black, and it was like a hundred degrees because it was the middle of the summer in California. So no so, air conditioning. You can only imagine how hot it was in there. And they drove them around for 11 hours straight. Inside of the van yes. for 11 hours. With no water, no bathroom breaks. So these poor children hadn't had water. They're all screaming and crying and they're peeing themselves because there's no bathroom. And some of in them... In pitch dark. Yeah, in pitch dark. Some of them are vomiting due to motion sickness and the heat and the smell. And poor oh Ed God. is like in one of the vans with them trying to keep them all calm. So props to Ed because I'd be flipping shit. Right. I hope he got stuck with the younger ones. Well, I don't think they got a pick. It was just half you go here, half you go there, you know. And so he's sitting there thinking that he doesn't know what's going to happen. And he's having to tell these kids everything's going to be all right. And he doesn't know that everything's going to be all right. And sitting in that position, and he's keeping his shit together. Ed is awesome. Throwing that out there. So while they're spending that 11 hours driving around their van, their parents are obviously freaking out because their kids, who should have been home a long time ago. 11 hours ago. Like, they realized it, like, 15 minutes after they should have been dropped off that something had happened. Because, like, where's this bus? Like, Ed was really reliable. And, And there's no sign. There's no sign of him. There's no sign of the kids. No sign of the bus. And so they're calling the police, and then they all start trying to help the police look for the bus. And they called the FBI, and they're going, it's a huge freaking bus. <laughs> right, how, how do you like, Where did bus? it go? Um, in the fucking bamboo field, where they're not supposed that's to That's exactly it. And the only reason they were actually able to find the bus was because they did an air search. And they saw it from the air, because the bamboo was so tall, it actually hit the bus. Oh. So you wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to see it unless it was for the air. So they saw it. And they found it, and it was abandoned, obviously, and they found tire tracks mm. moving away from the school bus because, again, duh, didn't want to leave footprints but left tire tracks. But they weren't able to, like, continue to follow these tracks just because it was through a field. Right. That type of stuff. And so, going back to the vans, the children, again, 
screaming, crying, vomiting, awful. Everything's bad. (laughs) All bad. Just all bad. So the older kids, though, as well as Ed the driver, were trying to console the younger kids. Stepping up and trying to be grown-ups. And the oldest was only 14. I have a 14-year-old and she can't work the microwave most of the time. (laughs) She doesn't know how to do her own laundry or wash a dish. Well, she can wash a dish. She just doesn't want to. I can't even imagine what she would be doing in that situation. She'd probably be peeing herself, too. (laughs) <laughs> like, I mean, really, and there's these 14-year-olds, like, well, I guess there's one 14-year-old, um, and then a couple of younger ones, but they're trying to console, like, the kids when they're kids. So that's just insane. So luckily, this 14-year-old was in the other van when Ed was in the op. So luckily, you had, like, one older kid in right. one van. Um, so... You know, kids, sorry, side note, kids back then were actually a lot more mature than they are today. For some reason, they were just... The way they were raised, you know, they, mm-hmm. they could take care of. They knew how to be sufficient. So they could cuddle something, yeah. right? Um, or be comfort. But mm-hmm. kids nowadays and are just problem really solve. Know. Yeah. And so think, they, think quickly or semi-quickly. Right? That on their own? Thing. Yeah, exactly. And that's, <laughs> that doesn't happen. So Ed on was in the other van, and he was trying to keep them calm in there by singing them songs like Boogie Nights, Love Will Keep Us Together. And if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Only he changed the words to if you're sad and you know it, clap your hands. Because that kind of set the situation better. Yeah. Because nobody was going to clap. Right? But either way, like, he's sitting there singing songs to him and trying to keep him calm. After, like, 11 hours. <laughs> and they haven't communicated to them why they were no, in this van or no, anything that's going nope, on. They're just driving around still. So after almost 12 hours in the vans, they were driven off of the road. They could feel they went off the road because it got bumpy, and they stopped the vans. At this point, it was dark outside. And first, the kidnappers reached into the van and took Ed out and shut the door. So Ed is no longer in the van. The door is shut, and there's nobody in there with the kids. They don't know what's going on. So they just saw the van door open, Ed be dragged out, and the door's closed. And the kids said they would open the door and just grab the nearest kid to the door, take them out of the van, shut the door, and they were doing this one at a time. So, like, they were seeing, like, kids get, like, one out, shut the door, one out, shut the door. They had no idea what was going on. For all they knew, they were being taken out and being killed one by one because they couldn't hear anything, nothing. So, like, that would be terrifying in and of itself. Luckily, that wasn't the case. You guys should know that because I already said at the beginning, nobody's going to die. But what was happening was as they were pulled from the van, one of the kidnappers asked their name, the other asked their age, and the third asked for their address. And then they also took a little piece of clothing from each child. Like a shirt, a sock. Yeah, or like a cut off, like a corner of their shirt, something like that. So they had it. I guess you can probably guess where that's going. Right. If you have their name and their age and their address and everything else. Right. And then they had each one of them climb down a ladder into a hole that was in the ground. Oh, my God. Which led into a large moving van that had been buried 12 feet deep in a California rock and gravel quarry. They're going to bury them a fucking live? They buried a moving van and are having them go into it. One by one. Oh, my fucking God. So in the van... Like the back of the van, you know, like a big move. It's a fairly, be a fairly big moving van. They'd put mattresses, water jugs, peanut butter, bread, and cereal, but only enough for one meal on one side of this trailer, so to speak. 
And on the other side, they had holes that were cut into boxes for makeshift toilets. So those were their toilets. And I'll post pictures of this stuff on our Facebook and Instagram so you guys can have an actual visual of what this was like in there. It was absolutely horrendous. Um, so they put all 26 kids and Ed into this moving van that was buried under the earth in a rock quarry. Then they took the ladder back out and told them all, we'll be back for you and shut the top. So they shut the top of this hole that they went down in. And before leaving, the kidnappers put a manhole cover over the top. And on top of that, they put two 100-pound truck batteries so that they couldn't move the cover. So they are underground now. Like I said, 12 feet underground. And then they buried the top of the van. So they were buried under like 6 to 12 feet of earth that they threw on top of the van. Um, the kids said that they could all hear dirt and gravel being thrown on top of the van. And so they were like literally being buried alive. Terrifying. Was there any, did, there was no oxygen, they didn't put Look, any, okay. We'll get there. They think that they're being smart, right? They said that we all sat there and were like, we are being buried alive. Some of them were like, as soon as we got down there, I was like, this is our coffin. This is our giant coffin that they're putting us in. So some of them were old enough to realize like, oh my God, this is what's happening right now. So they were put to this hole together and now we're gonna fast forward. It's been 12 hours now. They've been in this, this buried truck and it was awful because these Hot bathrooms- fuck. Yeah, because these bathrooms were literally holes cut in boxes. There's 26 kids and one adult. So I do the math there. Right. I mean, you can only imagine Especially since they hadn't had a bathroom break or anything for the previous 12 hours before that. So the whole place is smelling of urine and feces and kids are vomiting because of the smell and they're in a trailer underground in a million degree weather. They probably have heat stroke and they're just really hysterical at this point, as I suppose any of us would be Red at this point. And lack of oxygen. Yeah. The kids were crying for their parents. Ed said there were a lot crying for their mamas. And it's pitch dark, I'm and assuming. It's, it's, yeah, as far as I know, it's pretty It's pretty dark. I can't... I don't know if it's pitch dark or not. Well, they're underground. Well, they have... I think they have a couple of vents, like, coming up. That's how they're getting their air. So they okay. might have a little bit of light. Because they have to have some light to be able to see what they do later on. Right. Um, and by that point, that 12 hours later, they'd eaten all the food. Because... Hello? It was only enough for one meal. And right now, it's going on almost 24 hours since they'd been kidnapped. So... These douche canoes had put a makeshift ventilation system in there because otherwise they would have just suffocated right away. And obviously these guys were looking for a way to keep them alive for some period of time. But this ventilation was just fans that were running on like batteries. And eventually the batteries died. Mm. So the ventilation system failed. And so now it's one of those things where like they're going to suffocate if they don't figure out something. And if that wasn't bad enough, the roof began to literally cave in under the weight. That's what I was thinking. About. That's the one that I was waiting for to fucking happen. Come on now. I know. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, the gravel on top of it would have been just suffice. They're not going to fucking open that shit up. But let's go ahead and... Oh, my fucking God. Yep, we're gonna... Are these, like, more, like, do they come from less than, I guess you could say, from No, fucking... that, that's the terrible part about it, is they really, like... You would think that they're just like, uh, Some but they're not. That's what really fucked up. 
So are, they, are these kids, are their parents like all rich, wealthy people no. that live in? So, they, okay, go on. This Not is, necessarily. They're just, they also want to okay. explain it. This is fucking. So it was starting to bow in. The roof was starting to bow in. And they could hear the creaking. Like it creaked. And then pieces oh. of dirt were falling in. Oh, my God. And so all the kids were like, oh, we're going to die here. After literally being buried alive. You know, that's like one of my worst fears. Like, I think it's a lot of people's worst fears. This is like like other than like fears. drowning or burning in a fire, I think being buried alive is probably like pretty bad. Uh, yeah. It's pretty high up there. Like if I didn't know this was a positive, and this happened like how forever ago, 1976. Right? Yeah, and I'm panicking and I want to cry right now. As See, if, like, that, it's that's why right I now. gave a warning that like don't worry, it has a happy ending. Like because otherwise people like it can bring you really down. Yeah. So the older kids and Ed said, if we're going to die, we're going to die trying to get out of here. Good job, Ed and kids. So this is when Ed and the 14-year-old, whose name is Michael, and a couple of the other bigger boys took the mattresses that they had and stacked them all up under the hole they came down through. And they attempted to move the cover, but it wouldn't budge because it was weighed down. Mm-hmm. However, Ed and Michael were not going to give up. So they kept trying, and they tried for hours to get this thing to move. They were sweating. They have, like, heat strokes. They're trying to cool themselves down with water. And all of a sudden, one of the other kids looks up and says, it's moving. I can see it moving. So, like, oh, my gosh, we're getting it to move. So they were able to collectively push the cover out of the way. And once it was, around the cover of this, the top of this, it's really hard to kind of describe. But the kidnappers had had made, like, a wooden box that was placed around the entrance so it didn't go directly into the earth type of a thing. Anyway, there's, like, this, basically, it's just wood box over this hole. And so Ed had Michael squeeze through the hole to get into like that box area and see what they were working with outside the box. Right. So you got through the hole, cover, now you're in a box. <laughs> so when he got up there, he realized that outside the box was dirt. Because they put dirt. And so he had to dig for another hour or so until they reached sunlight. I'm not really sure how he managed to, like, be able to dig up through whatever dirt was on there without it just, like, coming. Either, either way, like, somehow he was able to dig through this hole, and sunlight started coming down, and the kids were freaking out because the sunlight was coming down, and then they're all like, we're gonna get out of here. But suddenly the kids are like, wait, one, where are we? Right. And two, what if they're waiting up there because we don't know if they've been sitting outside of this thing the whole time just watching us right. try to escape. So we don't really know. But they were also like, what choice do we have? Uh, seriously. Like, stay down here or go up there? At least tell them, yo, you're about to smush us to death, you fucking idiot. Yeah, basically. So one by one, they hoisted each other up and out of the hole. <clears throat> Luckily, the kidnappers were not outside. So where were they? They were all taking a nap. Taking a nap in a hotel nearby? Oh, at home. <laughs> See, what had happened was, they had gone back to their house, or one of their houses, and they tried to call the police department to demand ransom of five million dollars for these children's lives so that's why they knew their names and everything else but the lines the phone lines to the police station were jammed because the kids families and media were calling non-stop so they couldn't even get through because there's no call waiting back then or leave a voice to you know leave a message at the beep like like they were like oh well we can't get through i guess we'll just wait till tomorrow and they fell asleep. And then they just, like, forgot. Like, they, oh they just, God. like, well, just wait until the morning. Because they did not think there was any way these 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 kids and Ed were going to get out of there at all. Uh-huh. And, and they so, thought their ventilation system yeah. was perfect. So, like, they just decided to, like, who, what kind of a psychopath can just lay down 
and go to sleep when you've just buried 26 children and a bus driver. Just that thinks you're the bunny fucking rabbit. It's the Easter bunny. So what's really frustrating is all three of these Grown douche canoes yeah. came from rich families. Fred had a trust fund of over $100 million waiting for him. Wow. So what are you doing, Fred? What are you doing? Why? I'll get there. He's a gambler, drug addict. Let's get back to, like, what's going on elsewhere. Okay. So they couldn't get through to the police station to demand the ransom, and they decided they were tired. So let's just go to sleep and try in the morning. Well, while they're sleeping, their quote-unquote victims are just pushing through and getting the F out of that thing. Once they escaped out of the hole, they saw a man in the rock quarry, because it was a rock quarry, so it's a working place with people who are working with machines and stuff. Oh my fucking god. And so the man looks over and sees all of them. He sees 26 children coming out of the earth. Oh my god. He's coming out of the earth. And you know what he says? He looks at them and he goes, the world's been looking for you. Oh. Like what? I've been right here the whole time in the quarry. Because really at that time, like, it become like, inner. the whole world really was looking for them. But it's like, that's like movie material line right there. Like, the whole world's been looking for you. <sighs> Me, if I saw 26 kids just come out of the ground covered in like, God knows what, I'd be running, screaming the other way, like, holy shit. <laughs> we got zombies, people. Apocalypse? What? What? <laughs> like, I know. fucking crazy, dude. It'd be nuts. I would not. Ugh. Yeah. Kendra, I know you. You'd be like, oh my god, let me just feed you and clothe okay, you. Okay, but there's a difference between like wanting to do that, but like seeing them come out of like the, the ground. Right. Like you can't see this truck. It's buried. Like they're just coming out of the ground. It's one of those magic trucks. And it's that like, holy it's like, you know, Wonderful. like the clowns coming out of the car, only they're just popping out of the earth. 26 of them. Like, you know. And you know what is in California, which is close to Vegas, and there was that one magician who just makes things appear and vanishes and who's it's and what's it's. It could have been one of those. It could have been, but I don't think my mind would have been going there. Probably not. Sorry. So they wound up being about 100 miles from Chowchilla. So only 100 miles or a little over 100 miles. So they drove them around for 11 hours just because they had to wait until it got dark to put them in the hole. Oh, my fucking God. They had to wait for people to go home. Yeah, so nobody would see them. It was like 3.15 in the morning when they put them down in there. So this guy that finds them, the quarry guy, Calls the police, obviously. And they came, and they had to take them to the only place that was safe for all of them to be, which was the local jail. (laughs) They weren't put into cells or anything, just these big rooms. But the kids, when they pulled up, they were all asking, we're going to jail? Why are we going to jail? (laughs) Like, oh, fuck. What's going on? But all the kids, they were just, they were photographed. They were checked out by doctors, and they interviewed them, that type of a thing. They were all given, like, apples and Pepsi and you know, different clothes change into. Um, they were all, all 26 of them and Ed, they were all relatively unharmed. There was some heat stroke, some shock, obviously trauma, but physically they were all relatively unharmed. Right. So, yay, physical. That doesn't mean mental, but physical. Right. They were all given, so like I said, they were all given soda and apples at the police station. And then once they had interviewed them, got them checked out, they were loaded back onto a Greyhound bus and taken back to Chowchilla to be reunited with their families. And a lot of the kids said that they did not feel completely safe until they were back with their parents, which makes sense. Yeah. You know, they were with the police and everything. Like, 
they just wanted to be home. <laughs> yeah. Um, unfortunately, none of the kids could say a lot about what the kidnappers looked like because they were wearing pantyhose. And they were the Easter Bunny. They were the Easter Bunny. But a team went back to the quarry to search the buried van for clues. And they figured out that the only person who would have access via a key to this rock quarry area was Fred Woods. Whose dad worked there. Who was the son of the owner. Oh my God. <laughs> Of the rock quarry. He didn't think that one quite through. Like, oh, who else is going to be able to have enough time to get in here to bury a truck? That's what I was wondering. Other than somebody who has a key, which would be Fred and his dad owns the fucking rock quarry. And, and, you know, they're still sleeping or they're still just lounging and completely oblivious that they buried fucking people (laughs) under the earth. And that they've escaped. So they'll get aware of it pretty soon, but they're not quite aware of it yet. So, um, obviously, he became the chief suspect. And once they put it together, both the other pieces, you know, they were kind of led to the other two. And Ed was also able to give them one of the license plate numbers of the vans after he was put under hypnosis. So they put him under hypnosis, and Ed remembered a license plate. So that gave him more. And two years before that, before the kidnapping, Fred Woods and his two friends, James and Richard, the three kidnappers, the Rich Brats, they had been arrested for Grand Theft Auto. And so they had already had arrest warrants out on them. Which makes no sense because they're rich. Right, and their parents are who they... So for two years they had arrest warrants? I, apparently, or something. Or they were on, like, a probationary period. Oh. So anyway, all this stuff gave them, like, ample whatever to go search, like, the home. But it's like, why steal? Why? And hold kids for ransom? Why? Oh, I can't wait to hear the answers. They have to have, like, a gambling or a drug addiction or something like that. Oh, some fucking God knows what. Who knows? But they, they did some more stupid stuff here. So, investigators oh, investigators served and ex- executed a search warrant at Fred's father's mansion. And they found one of the guns used in the kidnapping. And so they were able to tie that back to Fred, obviously. And then they found a literal document labeled plan. <laughs> That's it. Not even the plan. Up, pl- just plan. That's just what like plan. What is it? Private schools. This is what private schools get you in the seventies. And it detailed the entire thing. What to do if something went wrong? When they were gonna do it? How they were gonna do? It. Was it just like out in the open too? Like oh, it's wow. like a loose piece of paper. I'll post a picture of that too, along with a ransom note that they were gonna read off and the list of names. Oh wow! Like hey, plan. Just plan. Yeah, I know, right? Like, here it is. That's it, just plan. Yeah, every I don't even have to. Okay, continue. That's so, apparently, though, they, I mean, they've been playing this for over a year. To a certain point, they were really, it was really well executed with, like, I mean, it takes a little bit to, like, bury a whole moving truck. I mean, right. they tried. However, the three were nowhere to be found. They woke up after um their nap that they had and saw on the news that the kids and ed had escaped and they were like oh fuck and split so they're gone they're gone right now so right now they're they're gone but they found out that months before this entire thing happened that's when they started burying this van and in the rock quarry and they were getting everything put together and whatnot and the police were able to find witnesses that said they noticed people digging in there like months earlier, but they didn't know why, and no one is going to question the son's owner. Right. Or the owner, owner's son. 
So they were just kind of like, oh, they're digging in a rock quarry. Like, all right. So, like, the employees and everybody knew. Yeah, like, I was so workers were just like, the why are they digging over there? But, like, nobody ever went question them because. Right. Yeah. So Richard Schoenfeld, the younger one, so the one that was 22, the younger brother of James, he actually turned himself in because he was like, we're red-handed here. Yeah. And as it's soon kind of apparent, like, Richard seemed to be the only one that was like, he was kind of just along for the ride. Like, a oh, little brother tagging along, big brother, you know, committing horrible atrocities. The children. Yeah. But he showed the most remorse, so to speak. He at least showed a little bit of like, oh, I maybe shouldn't have done this. Hindsight's twenty twenty. Don't do this when you don't ever do this. Don't. Oh my God, that's like a twenty three year old brain thinking right there. Like this, well, this seems like a great idea. Mm-hmm. All righty then. Um, James and Fred had fled California at this point, so Richard had turned himself in immediately. Fred the one whose father owns the rock quarry, he went to Vancouver, Canada, and was caught by the Royal Canadian Mountain Police. Go Canada. Nice. And he was promptly sent back. James was also caught just out somewhere outside of California. So they were all eventually caught. And they put the three of them in a video lineup and told them to say phrases that the kids had said they'd used during the kidnapping, such as sit down, move back, be quiet, that type of thing. Mm -hmm. And the children were all able to identify them. They're like, it was that one, that one, and that one. So all three of them pled guilty to 27 counts of kidnapping for ransom and robbery. They were all charged also with eight counts of bodily harm. But they refused to plead guilty to that because if they pled guilty to the bodily harm part, it was life in prison without the possibility of parole. So none of them wanted to plead guilty to that. While the kidnapping would have just been life in prison with the possibility of parole. So it went through the trial anyway. All the kids testified at that trial. So like, the go kids! Rabbit to yeah, the go kids! Digger outer. Okay. And February seventeenth, nineteen seventy-eight, all three were charged with mandatory life sentences without the possibility of parole. Nice. However, oh god, because defense attorneys suck, and they have a lot of money. Their lawyers appealed the charges of bodily harm because although traumatic, real bodily harm as defined by law did not occur. So, you know, just because none of them were, like, grievously injured. There's no bruises or... Yeah, nobody had broken or missing limbs, like, defined by law, like, that wasn't however... And so the sentences were gotten rid of, and they were resentenced to life with the possibility of parole. Are they out on parole right now? Oh, fuck. So Richard, the youngest, who turned himself in, and the one who seemed to have the most remorse, was granted parole in June of 2012. That was 36 years after the crime. I'm all for rehabilitation. Maybe he had changed. I mean, he was 22. We're just going to go with it. Three years after that, his brother James was paroled. Fred, however, the ringleader, he is still in prison. Good. And the sheriff actually said that Fred seems to be the ringleader. He was always labeled that at the time and said that James and Richard or Richard, were just kind of like dumbasses that just did stupid shit. Mm-hmm. Fred, they said, was a true psychopath. To this day, he's in his 70s, around there, 70s, and he's still a piece of shit. He breaks all kinds of rules in prison, which is why he's not getting paroled. He's been denied parole like 17 times. Because they always say an indicator of how you will be on the outside is if you can follow rules on the inside. And he can't follow the rules on the inside. He's been caught with porn, 
cell phones, other drugs, I'm not, sure. Probably just stupid. Like, he just doesn't want to follow the rules. So, why did they do this? That's the big question, right? When they were rich, they were already rich. Apparently, and this was all that was said, apparently James and Fred were in debt from being dumbasses. They don't really ever say, like, what they were in debt from, but they were just in debt from being dumbasses because they're dumbasses. Gambling, drugs. And it could be. And that huge, like, $100 million trust fund that Fred had was getting wasn't going to kick in until he was a certain age. So he didn't have access to it yet. So instead of working, getting a job, making money, he was like, oh, I'm just going to kidnap a bunch of kids. And get this money. I'm telling you. What a fucking... And James told the parole board before he got paroled that, quote... We needed multiple victims to get multiple millions. And we picked children because children are precious. The state would be willing to pay ransom for them, and they don't fight back. They're vulnerable, and they will mind you, end quote. And that was the first time in 2015 that any of the three of them had given any motive as to why they did it. Before that point, they had no idea why they even did it. So, what's the aftermath here? Not all bad. I mean, it could be worse. So after this whole experience, the children did get a trip to Disneyland with Ed. Nice. With they Ed. They got to go to Disneyland. Ed. The California School Employees Association in Sacramento presented Ed with the association's citation for outstanding community service, quote, particularly to 26 precious Chowchilla school children. The award was given by the governor, and he got many more Heroism, heroism, heroin awards after that. Um, five weeks after the kidnapping, the entire town of Chowchilla created and celebrated Ed, Ray, and Children's Day. Aww. With a huge celebration and parade where Ed and the kids were on floats. Do they still celebrate it to this day? They do something close to it. <laughs> so Ed, Ed was hailed as a hero like his, his entire rest of his life. He was super humble about it, and his own kids said that he just loved kids his entire life. He was an amazing father, amazing grandfather, and an amazing great-grandfather because he lived long enough to be great-grandfather. And they said he was just one of those guys who kids were his world, and he felt like he had a duty to protect kids. He said about that day, like, all he knew was that he had to protect those kids. He had to make them feel like everything was going to be okay, because even if they were dying, he wanted them to die thinking that everything was okay. But his main goal is that they weren't going to die that day. His main goal was to get the kids back to their parents. And he did. So go fucking Ed. Ed lived to be 91 years old. And he passed away in May 2012. And according to an article in the New York Times, his entire life, those children that he had saved were by his side. They all maintained, like, best friend relationships with him. They talked to him all the time. And they had visited him consistently. Um, the article also said a lot of those children that he saved were there by his side when he passed away. That is Isn't that amazing? Awesome. Um, his family members, Ed's family member, says that he collected newspaper clippings about the kidnapping, but he never really talked about it. He just, he would silently save the stuff. And he also bought the school bus. For $500 because he didn't want it to go to scrap iron. Oh, wow. He said, he was like, I feel like this is an important thing. We survived and I want this to stay. His son said he parked it in the barn and he'd go out and he'd start it every once in a while. 
just make sure it still ran. He kept it for many years and then he ended up giving it to an old equipment museum in La Grande, California, where it's still there for public viewing. And all the kids like went after he had passed and like wrote messages for him on it. So that van is still there and the white van. The white van is also in the museum. Oh, wow. Yeah. So as for the kids, all of the kids did wind up having issues, obviously. I mean, that's kind of just one of those things. A woman named Dr. Lenore, I didn't look this up, but we're going to say Dr. Lenore, who is a San Francisco psychiatrist, actually wrote a book called Too Scared to Cry. She wrote about their trauma in this book, and she said, quote, In 1976, we didn't know much about childhood trauma, much less how to treat it. Despite their varied backgrounds, every child I interviewed suffered from PTSD symptoms for years after the kidnapping, end quote. And many, well into adulthood, had to sleep with nightlights on because the dark was too much and they were traumatized by it. They suffered constant nightmares and phobias, um, anxieties. A lot of them had substance abuse and legal issues for a little while. But, happy note, most of them turned their lives around and recognized what was happening and why they were acting that way and they were able to go on with their lives, basically. I mean, it, think about yourself. Like, how would you react after that entire thing? Right. Like, every, you'd be a little screwed up. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Just a little bit. I mean, most people are afraid of the dark just in general because you can't see in it. You don't know what's there. That's like a human thing to be afraid of the dark, but I can't even imagine. I mean, they didn't know from the minute they got into those vans until they got out and reached sun. Like, they had no idea what was going on. Usually when somebody gets kidnapped or when you see Mm -hmm. it on TV or books, like, they're interacting. They're letting you know what's going on. You can see something, but it's literally, like, black. Yeah, all they, all the kidnappers really said to him was like, sit down and be quiet while they had guns. And then they asked their name, their address, and their age. And then we'll be back for you. That's it. That's it. And so we're going to do one last hurrah for Ed. Every year on February 26th, which was his birthday, they celebrate Edward Ray Day in Chowchilla, California. Oh my gosh. Up until now. So it's Edward Ray Day on February 26th. But I had never heard that story. No. I had never heard about that. I was like, what? Somebody kidnapped... They, they abducted an entire busload of kids and the driver, and they buried them? And they got out? That's like... And I had never heard of it. There's, there's apparently is a movie, though. I thought... I There's a movie that's like called, I, like, Vanished, Vanished Without a Trace or something. I... I vaguely remembered this story or hearing something about but it. But it's when not I was like younger. it's not like a huge big production movie. It's like a smaller production movie, like a probably like what we consider like a lifetime like sort of movie of some sort. Right. But there was a movie based on it and one of the children who was like six years old at the time, he wound up like writing a book one day, you know, about his experiences and um he's one that had suffered with like or had like addiction problems and substance problems and um he had to wind up learning how to forgive the kidnappers. And he actually wound up going to prison and meeting all three of them. Oh, wow. Because to him, in his mind, because as a small child, when somebody, a grown-up, is a big, monstrous person. Yeah. So I, that's what they still were in his head. So by going and meeting them and seeing them as they're just a grown-ass, sad, sad excuse for a human being sitting in front of me, and that kind of diminishes their, like power over them when you're not viewing them as like this monster anymore you know what as like you're telling this and i keep on thinking like kids are always targeted you know like 
it makes me sick and it makes me sad because mm-hmm. like we're supposed to be protecting our children, but it's always the first place people go to. Well, unfortunately, the very first place. Well, and the unfortunate thing is, I mean, I, I can't even say they were wrong. And I mean, I, I, obviously they were wrong. They were wrong in what they did, but their thinking and their reasoning behind it. Yeah. The state is going to pay more to get kids back. They're going to get that right. money together a lot quicker than if it wasn't an, an adult. Right. You know, and that, and that's just a sad state of, whatever because why because what he said is basically true it's Mm -hmm. terrible and awful to even think of using that as like a poker chip (laughs) but and and that's truth and that just shows like what big of cowards they are yeah you know what i mean and i yeah they're just they're just ginormous one of them's obviously still a ginormous Fred. Still a ginormous. I'm so glad that they're in prison. Can you imagine if they well, would have gotten away, or oh. if say they wouldn't have done this, right? They yeah. would have probably, especially Fred, probably would have been like one of those stepdads that beat the shit out of his like stepkids, yeah. or, or you know he, what I mean, a you know, serial killer. God, who, something. who even knows? But the fact is that they were just twenty year olds, basically, who Spoiled came up with a rich. dumbass plan. No, not even up. No, just a plan. Just a. Plan. Just plan. plan. Because it was written. It's right there. Just plan. Disregard for, like, all... Everything else. Basically. But that is the story of the Chowchilla 1976 school bus kidnapping. Abduction, basically. So. That's interesting. Did you know that Nebraska had a serial killer? What? Uh huh. When my mom was in high school, is like around in the seventies, um, I believe. Well, late sixties, early seventies, well, somewhere 70s around are there. Kind of murderous time. Uh-huh. In the Lexington area, there was a serial killer. How many people? I don't know. I just remember the saying "serial killer," and my mom, my mom, she remembered it and knew it. But we had one of those. That's terrifying. Maybe Here. I'll, I'm gonna have to look that up, and I will get back to everybody on that. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook. Um, join our Facebook group, Nocturnal Distractions. Send us an email at nocturnaldistractions at gmail.com. Also on Instagram, which I can't remember right now, but we're on Instagram and we're also on Twitter. Not that I use it that much, but we are on Instagram. So follow us, like us, let us know what you guys think. If you want to hear more of this, if you want to hear more of other things, we'll get cute animals to you guys next time. I just wanted to tell the story. We just hopped in there. And I want to um, say thank you, Kendra, for a story that I haven't heard and for just getting this whole thing started. And I just love your face. <laughs> I do. Okay. Um, but she would not have ran away from those kids. She thinks she would have. But I'm telling you, this woman would have, like, I don't know where she would have came up with the gifts, but they would have came up from somewhere and she would have been gifting them and loving them and kissing them, running away Give me five ass. minutes to go to the Dollar Tree, kids. I'll be right back. I got you. I got you. <laughs> got this under control. In my bag right water. here. Yeah, probably. Yeah, my she car. would have just loved the shit out of them. I would have so. had stuff in my car. Well, I call your bluff on that. You would have had stuff in her. She would have. Oh, God. I it's love true. you. Thank you so much for... um, Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll catch you next time with some animal creature information. I got got more of that up my sleeve, too. Turtles breathing out their butts. Turtles breathing out their butts. We got a shrimp that's crazy as a crazy craziness. And a crazy, crazy, crazy And I got some other stuff, like peeing giraffes. But... Peeing giraffes? Yes. Oh, this is going to be interesting. So be sure to tune in next time. Bye. (laughs)